0: Welcome to the Life Self Mastery podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Life Self Mastery. I'm excited to have Don Stinn, who's built a strong community of AR, VR, 3D angels, VCs and investors. He's focused on enabling the immersive generation by connecting opportunity to capital. Don is the CEO of a To virtually wins for real communities. company has raised uh, more than $500 from top Silicon Valley VCs, including General Atlantic, BetterWorks Ventures, Quartzsite Ventures, and Lightspeed Scouting Funds. And Don has done his bachelor's from Kelly School of Business. Welcome to the show, Don.
1: Thank you for having me. Uh, and our, our main investors, uh, it's not Lightspeed, it's a company called Spark Capital, and then another fund out in London called Future Positive. So those are our two ones. And then along with general catalyst
0: as well. I don't want Lightspeed to come after me. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies for that. Uh, but, but thank you so much for, for taking our time and, and, and speaking uh, of, of, on the show. But, you know, you, you know, what got you interested in startups and how, how did you get your start uh, into ARVR? You also invested in a lot of other, other startups. And what got you really interested to in start to you?
1: So it was 2015 is when I first learned about virtual reality and I was at that point, I was still in university. And so, you know, I was kind of figuring out my interests, my personal interests, my passions and my life. And I saw virtual reality on a YouTube video. It was from a YouTube channel called tested. And basically what tested does is they take hardware, and they pull it apart, uh, and they talk about it, and then they give you examples of what that type of product can do. And so prior to seeing that video, for whatever reason in my life, I was really adamant about studying how computers went from mainframes to a PC, and then how the PC moved into a mobile phone in our pocket. And that whole transition of mainframe all the way to something in your pocket was like fascinating to me. And so really it was an interest around the power of new hardware. And so when I saw the video for virtual reality in 2015, you know, it was like, oh, this is the next evolution of computing. And it to me was like a teleportation machine because It's the closest thing you're going to be able to find to feel like you're in the room with somebody else without actually being in the room. And so that was kind of the initial inception point was if I can become an expert in this technology, it's probably something I could do for the next 30, 40 years of my life and just kind of dedicate myself to that. And so really since that day of seeing the video, you know, for the last six years, six years every day of my life, I've been trying to help build this industry. And so, um, yeah, but it all started from just kind of understanding the timeline of how hardware evolves, and becoming passionate about that. And then seeing this as a puzzle piece that fits into that
0: interesting and uh, you, you know uh, 2020 has been got uh, a black swan moment uh, we mo- most of the world uh, got back into uh, into you know working from home and there were a lot of other products like hopin and zoom uh, where people started using these products to to do virtual uh, you know calls and summits and all that so you know how how how's your company different from uh, hopin and zoom uh, and you know what, what got you really? Uh, what makes you really different from uh, from you know uh, other webinars and other uh, summit softwares?
1: Yeah. So it's interesting when I, I started the company. Uh, we incorporated August two thousand eighteen. So almost two and a half three years ago, and that was obviously way before COVID. And really, the the way that that started was when I was living in San Francisco which I, I moved to San Francisco in 2015. Um, and rather than get a job, because I I don't think I'm very employable. My attitude is, is pretty rebellious. Um, so rather than get a job, my thought process was, if I can find a really cheap place to live and I can just build a network around virtual reality, then something good would come out of that. And so I ended up... Uh, if you're familiar with a website called Room Surfing, which is where you're couch surfing, basically, so I ended up doing something very similar to that. I met a group of people that had a closet, and it was a walk-in closet, and it just about fit a twin bed on the ground. And so I, I asked the person who you know was living in the apartment if I could sleep in his closet. And so I bought a twin mattress, I threw it on the ground. Uh, I slept there for a few months and started hosting these events, you know, as much as I could. Uh, and I was using meetup.com to host these events. And so I, between 2015 and 2018, I probably hosted 30, 40 different events. And that was everything from a 20 person dinner to a, a 300 person conference. And so I started to really understand what it's like and the power of bringing people together into the same room. And so, um, one of the cool things that came out of that was every time we would host an event, somebody who attended would message me and they would say, Thanks for hosting. I'm so glad I went because I met so and so from Forbes and now she's going to write about us. Or I met so and so from, venture capital fund and they're gonna potentially invest into us. And so I really saw like the power of serendipity of bringing people together into the same room. So back in 2018 when I was thinking about this idea, I started trying to use Zoom to do our events and uh, other video based softwares and they're great for one-on-one conversations and they're great for broadcasting to an audience but what they weren't really capable of is recreating the feeling of being in the room together and turning to your right and saying something to that person or moving over to the other table and saying something to that table and actually meeting them like you do in real life. Mm-hmm. And so as great as Zoom is, you know, it's hard to meet people in a in a 60 person event. And so that was really Kind of my thought process was, well, if that's what I want to do is help people meet each other, and I have this really deep understanding of virtual reality technology, can we surpass video and turn people into avatars and then build virtual rooms that they can go into with each other and actually move around and meet each other? And so that's, that's our biggest advantage over a, a video solution is the fact that it's spatialized. And so you're able to move around and now you'll see in today's world, there's a lot of companies that are trying to be spatialized with video and it'll okay. kind of put your head into a little box and you can move around the room, but that still comes with all of the social anxiety of getting on a video with somebody you don't know. And when you're doing that at a rapid pace, it's really overwhelming for an introvert. And so my thought process then was, well, not only can we help people be in the same room together and meet each other, we can also make it so that they don't feel self-conscious about themselves. They're not constantly looking at their own face on these videos and they can dress up their character how they want. And so that's expanded into this whole new use case where you can be on the toilet, you can be laying in bed, you can have the lights off, and yet you can still go to our events and nobody knows the difference. And so it's now a 24 seven thing. Uh, you don't need to be self-conscious. Before this video, you saw me, I had to turn on the lights. I have terrible lighting. This is in my eyes. You know, None of that would be a problem if we did this as avatars because I could just be comfortable and represented in a way that I wanted to be represented according to how I customize my character.
0: Interesting. And uh, you know, you talked about avatars, but yeah, uh, how can attendees actually socialize on your app? So once once they've created an avatar, is it possible for them to move around uh, on, on different booths, uh, can just walk through, you know, how the product would look like?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I'll give a kind of rundown of how the product works. So you open the app and you customize your character. You can choose hats, shirts, T-shirts, skin color, uh, weight, uh, shoes, whatever it is, you can go in there and customize how you want to look. And then you enter into a room and we have many different rooms, but uh, one of my personal favorite is called the community lounge. And that is basically 15 different tables of five people Mm -hmm. and then a big stage with a panel. So when you appear into the event, You appear as an avatar and you then can easily move between the different tables, just like how you do in real life. You just click up at a different table and your character moves over there. And so each table is then private with spatialized audio. So basically what that means is when I'm at a table, only the people around me can hear me. And as I move between the room, only the people that I'm near can hear me. And so that enables you to then recreate what it's like in real life as if you were at a real
0: networking event. Mailman is an email assistant that shields you from unimportant emails, minimizing interruptions and making your days calmer and more productive. You can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM, uh, which gives you the benefit of 15% off for the first year on the annual plan, uh, which already has 20% discounted compared to the monthly plan. So you can visit MailmanHQ.com and use the code LSM. All right. And now uh, who, who's the right audience for, for your product? Is it a pod, podcast and summit uh, host or are or, or, or you know you also looking at B2B uh, companies uh, who would like to you know host such sort of events? Um no B2B. We're we're
1: too fun. Um we're really focused <laughs> we're really focused on millennials and the people from my generation that you know they're they're not going because they have to go for work, um, they're going because they, they want to have something that they're passionate about and learn about that and meet other people that are passionate about that. So our average user is about 18 to 34 in that category. And they're typically forward thinking people who are really out there um, trying to network with other people that care about a similar topic.
0: And uh, I wanted to understand, you know, what is the cost of the product and how many users have you onboarded till now? Yep. So going
1: backwards. So we've had 50,000 users currently. And the way that we monetize is by selling people virtual goods. So uh, if you wanted to buy a hat, you can buy a virtual hat from us two months, uh, not even maybe a month ago we had a an event with the founder of Reebok and you know Reebok's one of the best brands for clothing one of the coolest out there and so their founder's name is Joe Foster he's 85 years old uh, has lived an amazing life and you know is the person who started Reebok so he got on stage and he said I haven't looked this young in years as a very funny joke Um, But you can imagine in the future, we're able to distribute direct to avatars, different types of clothing, which then opens up a whole new monetization lane for these large clothing brands. And so that's a really unique way that we're choosing to monetize. The reason why that's important to us is because we want to be a free product for everybody. And if we put up a paywall and we become a B2B product, then it really slows down our ability to deliver on a mission which is to make anybody easily able to be met by anyone in the world.
0: Correct and, and and how mm-hmm. do you how do you onboard uh, customers you know especially in in in, in competitive B2C market uh, you know uh, if you can talk about you know uh, how, uh, how do you get the downloads and uh, are the other higher number of churn rate when it comes to such sort of products?
1: So we, we do uh, all hands off, we've chosen to go as a self-serve product, that was really important to us. And so the way that it works, um, it's actually interoperable with Zoom. And so we have virtual TV screens that are in the room. And so if you wanted to go in there and attend a Zoom event, you can be in a, a virtual movie theater watching a Zoom event on the screen. And then after the Zoom event is over, you can go into the networking area, and you can move around your character and have these conversations.
0: Correct. Uh, no, but uh, is there any go-to market strategy that you're using to onboard uh, millennials? Are you also partnering with other, you know, influencer brands or other brands? Because uh, acquiring these customers at scale can be can be a little difficult. So just wanted to understand, you know, do you have any? Uh, what, what is the go-to-market strategy you used for, to get the 50,000 uh, attendees on?
1: Yeah. So the way that we got the 50,000 was all purely through word of mouth. Okay. So I think right now our organic growth on the users, about 80% of our users came from an invite from somebody else. Okay. And so basically the way that works is we have a you know pretty simple website, a pretty simple app, um, Initially, I would call people on the phone and I would onboard the host into how to use the product. And then they would bring in their users. And then what we'll see is that a percentage of the attendees who are going to those events turn into hosts themselves. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of creates this natural flywheel that is continuing to grow. And then our job as a company is to make the user onboarding experience better and easier and so that will forever be the number one focus for us is just continuing to focus on that network effect.
0: Got it. And, um, and you know, last year a uh, uh, lot of companies which which face problems security and all. Uh, so, what security measures would you take to you know prevent hackers to hack into uh, into product layers? Like Great question.
1: So, my co-founder's name is John Hibbins, okay. and John is forty five years old. And has spent the last 20 years of his career running large dev teams for various organizations. One of the organizations that he ran the dev team for was the emergency crisis uh, group that manages when something goes wrong with the London tube system. So you can imagine that has to be very safe from terrorist attacks, from any sort of thing that's going to go wrong, that it hampers the safety of the people on the trains. And he was the person that helped get that going. So he's been in full control of the security standards of the product. And that's something that from day one on our very first whiteboard, and we were coming up with the idea together of how we're gonna do this, he made a, a really strong point to focus on. He's also built enterprise products that were used uh, by the backend system of banks. So again, similar structure where it has to be as, you know, qualified for security as possible. And so I've really, you know, put my faith uh, in his ability, which he's proven over the last 20 years to build a secure system. And it's just something that's in him. It's a part of him. You know, it's who he is, is to be a secure uh, product builder. And so I, I consider myself very lucky with that, especially given the hacks that have happened recently with the US government, And all the things that have have gone on, um, you know, I'm very lucky to have somebody like him who's been thinking about it, not as an afterthought, but from the very first day when we were whiteboarding, putting a priority on this.
0: Thanks. Okay, so good to know that you know uh, your company is looking at uh, all these security measures. And um, you know, I want to come to verticalization and you know, unbundling or Zoom. I think you're going after a very large market. You know, close to around eight hundred million billion dollars. But uh, but there, there there are lot of uh, companies which are coming up uh, when it comes to audio improvement and uh, you know, captioning or video API uh, APIs and all. Do you think? There is a scope for a lot of unbundling of these virtual events and, and what, what, what do you think uh, 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 would the offline events uh, would still happen once, the, once we have the vaccination, once things get better? Well, what are your thoughts about unbundling of this online event industry and uh, about the offline uh, events? Um,
1: I think there's a few things that have grown since COVID market-wise. Uh, one of is just the, the desire to be in the same room with other people. Yeah. You know, I think that's exponentially grown and a lot of us are struggling to be able to achieve that. I had to move back in with my parents for the last few months because I was just too lonely in London because yeah. it was a terrible, terrible experience. Um, so I would say that that will definitely get better. And I'm hoping that we see a, a world that kind of reverts back to what it was before from a social life standpoint and having fun together. I think that's a really important part of human nature. I think the things that have otherwise changed um, are around the realization of how powerful it
0: is to have a global network. I have an interesting start for you, to you know that the founder of Beautiful Lives Increase the social media presence by 10x. They manage to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a cost effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts. Use Social socialpilot to get a 14 day free trial.
1: To be able to not just know people in Silicon Valley and only talk to people in Silicon Valley, but to be able to have a network span all across the world or to be able to live in a, a place, I'm originally from Michigan. You know, I, there was nobody in Michigan that cared about venture capital or, or technology at the point when I was living there 10 years ago. And so as a 17 year old back then, you know, it was really hard to meet the right people. And this culture of remote conversations didn't exist. And so really what ended up happening was I would get on a very impersonal phone call for 30 minutes, or I would have to literally book 10 meetings in two days, fly out, you know, get a chance to meet people in person and come back. So I think the thing that's growing most importantly is the idea of a global network and how important that is. And so that's why we're we're laser focused on helping people meet other people that live across the world. You know, remote meetings, it's great. Remote work, it's great. But like I can't wait to go back to the office. I, I don't see that trend sticking at all. I think for certain types of people, it will, but like, I can't wait to go see the people I work with in person again. Um, and I think a lot of people that are more on the business side, sales and marketing, they really desire that, that human need and, and interaction. So I, again, I think the biggest thing that's changed is just our realization that it's super cool to have friends that live all over the world. And there's tools that allow us to do that now.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. You know, especially with the sales and marketing people, they and even even otherwise, you know, most of the people are yearning to 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 go back to work. And but it could be a lot more flexible way of working, where a couple of days people are working remotely. So it's uh it's very interesting how you know things would unfold. And uh, you know, you you uh, uh created the product and uh, you build the. Uh, customer persona and, and the and the business model now you're also looking at building partnerships when do you when do you plan to launch uh, uh the, the product and uh and you know uh, uh, and would it be focused only for uh for europe or i think i lost you you can hear that
1: right, sorry i lost you there say, say that last question again you, you've cut out there
0: yeah. So, um, so, you know, you've already created the the, the product and you build the, the customer persona as well as, uh, you build the partnerships and sales, uh, for, for your company. Uh, I wanted to understand, you know, what does 2021, uh, hold for you by looking to launch uh, the product? Uh, and, uh, how do you go about, uh, uh, f- focusing on, on building it and growing from there? Yeah. So our, our, our
1: biggest, uh, our biggest difference as a company versus a Zoom is that um, this year, you know, Zoom has existed for, I think, ten a decade maybe. And so almost all these video technology companies have really tried and true understanding from users of what they're going to get. They're going to come up here. They're going to appear in a box. They're going to see their face. They're going to look you know, at a group of boxes and because users and consumers are familiar with that, it's been easy for companies that are focused on videos to grow this year. Our challenge was, well, take everything, you know, and throw it out the door. Um, you know, back when Zoom was starting 10 years ago, they were dealing with the difference of you're used to phone calls. Now, us and Skype are going to put you on a video. And that was a big transition, totally different than what people were used to 15 years ago. It was all phone call based. We're kind of in that way. We're similar to what Zoom had to go through where we're now saying, look, you're all doing video. It's amazing. It helped us through the pandemic. Here's this new revolution of how you communicate globally. That makes it more fun that makes it so you don't have to have Zoom fatigue. It makes it so that you can meet people easily because you're in a giant room and you can walk around just like real life. And so a lot of those things are, are you know, gonna be kind of what we've been learning over the last year. We've had this sample size of 50,000 people that have been a fantastic community. They give us feedback. We host sessions with them on a weekly basis. We do surveys. You know, We do all of the things that you need to do to understand what they really need and what their under what their desires are we've taken all of that since december and really packaged it into what we're calling uh a new brand it's coming out with a new version of the app and it'll look it'll look like something that i don't think anyone has ever seen before um it's pretty crazy but it's it's all the things we've learned that we're putting into this new app so that comes out in march March 14th is our target date of delivery for that. The premise is that people want to be in virtual rooms together. And so we're really giving people the room key to get into these rooms and get access to be in the same room with other people. And so that's the name of the company going forward. It's Roomkey and uh, comes with a whole new brand, new colors, um, and most importantly, you know, inheriting all the lessons that we've learned and putting it into this product. So that'll be our big focus. The way we're launching that is we're doing an event with celebrities, press, and influencers. So we have a pretty cool, a really cool lineup of people that we're gonna be going forward with um, to actually do a, an event inside of our platform as the kind of kickoff event, similar to how Apple pioneered you know, back in the day, the idea of a keynote event. And then the other thing we're doing is working on content partnerships so people that want to host a daily event with us, we're working with handholding them and then they're doing things with us. So for example, streaming companies um, have the ability to use our virtual television screens and our movie theater room to show trailers, to do live streams of esports. And so we're starting to talk through you know, who's going to be the right one to go forward with us and then enter into a partnership with that.
0: Interesting. So, so you're going know, to rebrand uh, to Room Key, and that's going to happen uh, in March. So, so you know, yeah. best of luck for that. And um, like, you know, you have raised uh, five million dollars from very high quality VCs, especially like General Electric, uh, Atlantic. Uh, well, give you me know, any any uh, suggestions and advice from people who are looking to raise funding from uh, from you know uh, some of the great VCs. Any any feedback on what should an entrepreneur do when they're looking to raise funds? Um, I think,
1: I think there's, there's probably three bits of advice I would give that it spans, not just fundraising, but across everything. Um, one is that it is going to be really hard. And I think the right mindset is that those brick walls are, are not there to keep people out or keep you out. They're there to see who's you know, willing to go that extra mile and really put in the effort to to get the yes. Nice. So that to me is probably one of the most important things is like recognizing that you you are going to get, you know, a hundred no's more than that. And that's not a bad thing. That's what every good company's ever gone through. Like that's a part of the process. You are going to have days that suck. You are going to have, you know, conflicts with the vision Uh, and the team and investors, like that's just a part of it. And so I think it's really important to recognize that that happens with every great company. You know, Slack started as a virtual game before they were ever a a chat app. Um, Justin TV, right. They, they became Twitch. Like there's a million examples of companies that didn't, didn't plan for what they were going through, but it's kind of a part of this process and so I think that that's the number one bit of advice is like just expect it to be horrible and expect to get the nose. And then the mindset should be okay, we're right on track. We're actually doing exactly what every other great company's done, which is just fail, 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 fail until something goes right. Um, so I think that's important. And then I wrote down two other bits of advice I wanted to share. I think the other thing is learning how to manage yourself. That's probably the biggest thing I had to learn. Uh, I started the company when I was 25, yeah, 25. And, you know, you don't know anything about the world or how to deal with uh, product or tech or fundraising. I didn't know anything about fundraising. I didn't know anything about management. And so I think really like understanding that the, the key asset for your own self is your, is your mindset. Um, so I started with a mantra, and this is my third bit of advice, but the mantra that I've been told from other founders around what's the right you know, thing to say to yourself in the morning is just keep saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Like if you can just believe that it changes your persona and it, it, then again, it just, it circling back to the first bit of advice, when you're telling yourself it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. You start to accept that all this bad stuff is just a part of, What has to happen to get to from A to B? So those would be the three things I would say.
0: No, no, great piece of advice, and I I love uh, what you talked about. It's going to be okay. I think that's that's going to be my morning mantra as well. Uh, (laughs) It's going to be okay. You know, uh, it does take time, but you know, things do get better. Um, So uh, Donna, quickly want to do the top three. What's your favorite business book?
1: Uh, I don't know if it's business or how you qualify it, but how to win friends and influence people that had a massive impact on me. My dad told me to read that when I was really young and it's had a massive impact on me. Um, And that is really just kind of the concept that how you can deal with other people and and how you, you know, the power of a network comes out of that book. Uh, The other book that is very business focused, which is hilarious, it's called the little book that beat the market, maybe the little blue book that beat the market. It's written by a high powered finance person who has a son and a daughter who are maybe seven and eight years old. And he writes the book for them. So instead of talking about, you know, EBITDA and all these things, it's like, okay, if you have three apples and you want to make apple juice, you know, how much does it cost to buy a fourth apple to make an, and, it just breaks it down into the most simplistic terms. Um, so that was one that really helps, uh, I think, anyone of any age kind of understand, you know, how the economics of a business should work and and how you measure success.
0: Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. And, you know, if you could go back in time when you started working on on uh, TO, uh, which you rebranded as Humkey, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently?
1: Uh, I would have... It's so hard to know that because again, I think it's all part of the process. Um, you know, there's a million things and there's also no things I would change. I think prob- probably the, the, the most common thing that founders do wrong um, is they overbuild product and under test with users. And so I'd say if, if that was something I could have gone back, I would have focused more on building a community earlier, uh, rather than focusing on the product. But again, there's no precedent for a you know a virtual ecosystem that's built for people to socially network. It just doesn't exist in in today's world. So I think a lot of this stuff we just had to kind of go through and, and learn over time.
0: Right, And do you have any favorite online tools? For example, uh, a Gmail uh, slash Notion. So- Notion. Mm-hmm.
1: I love uh, Notion. I I found um, a developer who is an expert in Notion, and I basically explained how I wanted to operate my life, you know, business wise, and had him go in there and then build out and customize the tool according to what I wanted. It is saving me so much time, and I just did that in December, but it's already it's paying off without question. So I would say Notion and then not just using Notion but learning it yourself and then also getting an expert who can go in there and really build out what you're looking for. Those are those are critical.
0: Right. I started using Notion I, I absolutely love it. I uh, can put that yeah. in the show notes. Uh, uh Don, what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about uh, TO? you? Yeah,
1: my my email is the best way. Uh, yeah. And you can write it in the in the below box as well. But it's Don D O N at T E O O H dot com. That's T E O O
0: H dot com. But feel free to write that as well. Covered. We'll, we'll uh, put on the show notes. Thank you so much for for taking our time and speaking to us. I thoroughly really enjoyed speaking to you.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, if there's anything that you need as well, you know the email. Absolutely. Thank you.